My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. I think that applies to property quite, quite, quite a lot. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this special episode of Invest Like a Pro presented by Housefinder with Simon Liu, we'll delve into the topic of affordable housing and how the type of property you can buy impacts the type of tenants you attract. We discuss areas you should be looking to buy in, the type of property to avoid and how COVID-19 has affected the market. Diving into this topic, we discuss the current trend that Lou is seeing specifically in the Sydney property market. In the world of property, there's so many things you can do. There's so many types of properties you can buy. You know, not even just physically, but location. You know, you can buy in regional areas, you can buy in capital cities, you can buy in um, different states. And the types of properties you can buy could be units, they could be houses, townhouses, villas, they could be off the plan, house land packages. You know, they could be commercial properties, development sites. Like there's so many different things you can do. And everyone, you see, every different person you speak to will have their own opinion on what's, you know, the best performing and the best types of properties. But I guess today what I wanted to talk about is the type of properties that help you ensure that it goes through the time test. You know, the test of that property being consistently tenanted, you know, causing the landlord as few headaches from both a vacancy or a tenancy's perspective and from a maintenance perspective also. One of the biggest things that I focus on with my own portfolio and as a buyer's agent is I emphasize the fact on avoiding units. Now, units in Australia, at least, are never going to be as sought after as a accommodation option than houses, standalone houses with their own yard. Because the culture in Australia is, you know, people enjoy their own space, they enjoy you know, outdoor living, they enjoy doing barbecues and, you know, having people over and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, in Sydney, in literally recent recent weeks, recent months, there's been an, a significant downturn in rental demand from units, especially units in where there's a lot of supply, like this, you know, let's say, for example, you know, there are areas like Mascot and Zetland and those kinds of pockets and, you know, maybe even areas like roads where there's just a lot of units, you know, built by Mervac and Meriton and those kinds of sort of unit hubs. Now, 
I've noticed that in these areas, a lot of the, the landlords are having to drop their rent significantly. And when I say significantly, I'm talking, you know, 30, 40% in some cases to be able to, you know, even attract inquiries. You know, these a lot of these units are not even rented out yet still. And it's throwing ridiculous incentives as well, like, you know, two months free rent, you know, three months free rent uh, uh, furnished, you know, all these kinds of things. And they still can't get their units rented out. And the bottom line is it just appeals to a very limited amount of potential tenants out there. You know, only certain amount of uh, types of people that want to rent these particular properties. You know, and a large chunk of that are students or people that aren't, you know, that they might be married, they might be, you know, new to the workforce. Lou delves into why there has been a significant drop in demand for units and provides some tips on what to be looking for in a property. You've got young people who, you know, maybe used to live with a couple of mates, but because of COVID, maybe a, a bunch of them have actually moved back into their parents' houses. So the demand for this type of this type of product is extremely low, and and the only way that they can attract uh, a tenant to live in these units, uh, wherever it is, is really by reducing rent. And reducing rent is one of those things that you know can really impact uh, a landlord's portfolio because having negative cash flow or having less cash flow over the long term is hugely detrimental. You know, it's not something that can be uh, sustained over the long term. So definitely, you know, when you're choosing a property to buy now, even more than ever, I mean, even even before COVID, I only focused on houses, really. It's really important to focus on property with its own land component. It's really important to focus on houses that are are private, they're separate to other people, because those are the kinds of properties that have the biggest demand. Those are the kinds of properties that affect the best type of tenants, which are young families with kids. So buying that type of property is super, super important. I think also the characteristics of the property is also extremely important as well. You know, you'll hear, you'll see and hear all the time now, you know, nowadays that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there talking about, you know, dual living properties and, and properties that have been cut up into an abnormal number of rooms to increase rent to maybe lease out to, to separate tenants. I think those that were risky to begin with, but now more than ever, you know, the demand for those properties are probably quite low. You know, the, the type of properties that I like to focus on are, you know, the type of houses, you know, we talked about only buying houses, but, you know, just keep it really simple. You know, at the end of the day, just, you know, three or four bedrooms, you know, living area, dining kitchen, just a very typical, I would, I would almost say vanilla house, you know, because those are the kinds of houses that most people are after to live in. They don't want any quirky things, they don't, you know, if it requires like a lot of stairs to get up and down, again, that, that's, a, that's a bit of a uh, negative factor with a rental property. You know, if there's a lot of maintenance, ensuring that the property is structurally and, and physically sound, you know, ensuring that that property is in a very presentable, a very clean and tidy state and safe as well. I think that's also important. So those are some of the characteristics that I try, try to enforce when I'm buying properties nowadays for clients and, and for myself as well. It's really, really interesting that you mentioned all those because um, I guess it gives you a good criteria or guideline to look for because it's very easy with you know thousands and thousands of houses out there to choose from. Which one do you choose? And sometimes we all fall back onto choosing by emotion rather than choose based on criteria and guidelines and facts. And by, by doing that, it doesn't really help the situation because you know if you're looking for owner occupy, 
different story. You will definitely be choosing things that you will like, that you can picture with the kids in there, yourself and so forth. But when you're looking at an investment, we're coming back down to affordability. You got to make sure that you are choosing it in a market that is suitable, that will attract tenants, the most tenants, I guess you can say, rather than say an upper end market where properties are worth like two, three, four, ten mil, which completely attracts a completely different market. And especially in tougher times, um, that kind of drops off eventually, and that makes it really hard. Just as you said, there's a lot of apartments that are on the market. And there are only a certain amount of students, especially a lot of them that were from overseas have now been restricted from coming back into Australia during a, a pandemic like this. It's going to be very, very difficult to rent out to them because they're not around. And then who do you fall back onto? You fall back to the local market and there aren't actually very many students who are very, very well off to be able to afford that. And as you said, they go back to their own parents' place and stay there just to, I guess, save a few dollars here and there. But no, it's, it's, it's quite challenging in that sense. Um, but then again, if you're not looking at that market, there may be the baby boom market but I think that they still be looking at like townhouses instead because they still want a bit of space but not tight into an apartment living type of style and that's where demographics and so forth is changing over this period of time because obviously we're seeing a lot more medium dense housing compared to you know high density housing around the area. The other thing that I, I think it's worth mentioning as well is Tenants are very smart people. <laughs> you know, I think as landlords, we sometimes like to see tenants as just a factor of that will assist us in reaching our property investment goals. But tenants, like you know, even if they're renting, let's say you know, previous previously you might be renting like a two or three bedroom unit, but then you see the market falling. You know, you see the the price of the units around you from a rental perspective dropping as well and then you immediately think to yourself am i getting the best value out of this product oh sorry out of this property that i'm living in that i'm renting or is there is there something better out there now in most circumstances people always think upwards and i, I think tenants are not some immune to this that you know they're always thinking of you know what's next like what's how do i improve from this so if they're suddenly thinking let's say for example they're paying 600 dollars a week in rent you know, to rent a, a typical unit in Sydney. But then now they're looking in the market and they're realizing, oh, you know, what, for $600 a week, I can actually get into a townhouse now or get into a villa or get into a house, you know, or get into, get into a nicer, bigger unit. Then they're going to be looking at those kinds of options and they're going to be comparing it to what they have. And I think at the end of the day, you know, it, it plays into, again, the fact that, you know, if you have a product that most people want, to get into, then I think it's going to to help you a lot in the long term uh, when it comes to from a uh, from a rental perspective. Location is key. You mentioned buying, you know, properties that are uh, people are buying, you know, potentially emotionally uh, as an investment. You know, if you do that nowadays, it's even more damaging potentially than before COVID because, you know, buying emotionally a large part of that is buying into what most would consider ultra blue chip areas, you know, as expensive as you can get. Now, the demographic for people that are buying those properties and for for people that are renting those properties, you know, are, are generally high income earners. And high income earners, you know, in the at this present time, are are some of the people that are getting affected the most. You know, they might they might be running businesses uh, that have taken a massive hit. They might have like a, a really large share portfolio that's also taking a bit of here. Well, maybe not recently. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, in general, you know, you've got to look at these kinds of elements 
you know, as to what most of the population is after at the end of the day. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into a current trend that Lou is seeing in the property market. I think the reality is most people, you know, romanticize that kind of lifestyle, but they don't, it, they, they still won't, it's not like there's going to be like a, a dramatic shift from people wanting to live into a, a built up capital city area to more sort of regional areas. Why we're seeing more distressed sellers at this time? In recent times, you know, really, you know, my focus has always been, you know, below market value distressed properties, which we're seeing a lot of. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Have you been looking for months and getting frustrated that each property you've seen seems to be a lemon? Or are you after distress, off-market, high cash flow properties in high growth areas, capital city locations? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you are not alone. For being a loyal listener of the podcast, Simon Liu is offering a free one-hour strategy session normally valued at $500 to help put together an actionable property plan. To get your free strategy session, simply visit housefinder.com.au and fill out the contact form or call Simon directly on 0415-626-342 and quote Property Investory. We discuss Lou's opinion on the type of property you should be looking to invest in and the importance of the area you buy. We talked about in previous episodes about buying affordable housing in affordable areas. That still rings very true. I think sticking to houses is extremely important. Um, you know, if you're in really sort of built up large population cities like Sydney and, and Melbourne, then yes, you know, townhouses and villas and duplexes and things like that are, you know, are, are definitely viable options. But if you're buying in Southeast Queensland or Brisbane, you know, where really the price of a house compared to a townhouse or a unit from both a buying and a rental perspective is, is extremely small, the gap, you know, definitely go for the house with land. Sticking to built up areas, again, super important. You know, I think uh, there's been a lot of hype about regional areas uh, as of late. And again, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know what's going to happen in terms of growth. But it only makes sense to buy in areas or to focus on areas where there is consistent population demand. You know, only then can, you know, if you, again, if you do experience a vacancy or if you have to sell it one day, you know, if you have a house and unfortunately, you know, a few years down the track, you come into some unforeseen circumstances personally and you have to let it go, you don't want to have to either wait around for months and months and months for the right buyer or drop your pants in terms of the price. So, I think it's super important to to to, to also consider this how sellable the house is in, and you need to take this into consideration when you buy it. You know, if I'm buying this house, if I had to sell it the next day, like, is it going to be a huge issue? And if you buy like a really quirky house, if you buy a house that has, you know, a lot of investment credentials, perhaps when I say investment credentials, I mean, you know, again, you know things like having a lot of different rooms or having like a dual occupancy alternative, like things like that, you're not appealing to owner occupiers when you sell it. You know, you're only appealing to other investors, which are very limited in these times. So that's super important. Just one last thing as well I wanted to, to mention is the trend of working from home now is super 
sorry, has been accentuated with this whole COVID-19 scenario. So, you know, working at home options, even though it's safe to go into an office, I think there's a, you know, you, you see articles and you hear a lot now that, you know, a lot of companies are having to adapt uh, to that kind of work lifestyle nowadays. So a lot of the things that I've been focusing on when I'm finding these properties for clients uh, currently are properties that have that potential or that extra area within that house that people can set up their, uh, you know, individual home office, you know, away from the other property. Now, you don't really get that with a two-bedroom unit. You know, you've got that extra room, but it's not really separate enough for people to be able to work uh, completely away from from their family or from their kids. Uh, so I think when you when you when you have a property that has, you know, a dedicated area or space where people can set up a proper home office, I think those will be in significant demand as well. More people have been forced to work from home due to COVID nineteen. And Lou shares his perspective on how it impact people buying in regional areas and built up capital cities. There's a lot of people talking about now, um, you know, because they don't, you know, the need to work in an office is 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 not as not as uh, important as it was before this whole pandemic thing started. You know, moving to a regional town or moving into a uh, you know maybe like a, a seaside location is going to be quote unquote the norm. But, and this is a very big but, um, I think the reality is most people, you know, romanticize that kind of lifestyle, but they don't, it, they, they still won't, it's not like there's going to be like a, a dramatic shift from people wanting to live into a, a built up capital city area to more sort of regional areas just because they can or just because they can afford to. Uh, because at the end of the day, convenience, you know, family and friends, lifestyle amenities, uh, you know, infrastructure, like you said, I think all of those are at, you know, at the core of what, uh, at the core of what most people want, uh, you know, from a, uh, a place to live in. And believe it or not, like, you know, I think a lot of people also think, oh, working from home is great and it does have its benefits. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that actually desire to work in an office. You know, they actually want to get away from home and, you know, going to a proper proper office, you know, if not for the professional feeling of of you know, okay, this is my place of work, but really just for the social interaction of of you know, working with co workers and colleagues and you know things like that. I think, you know, once things calm down a little bit with the whole COVID situation, I think you know people will still return to offices on the on, as a majority. But definitely, the option and the viability of working from home uh, is going to be uh, is going to be increased as well. There are more opportunities to buy because of the amount of distressed sellers due to the pandemic. And Lou provides some tips on what to focus on to ensure you make the best possible investment. You know, I think at the end of the day, people prefer to actually see, you know, um, hug someone <laughs> or shake someone's hand in real life. So that, that I don't think that social interaction will ever diminish. But you know, bringing it back to property, that's what I've been looking at for my clients, you know, in recent times, you know, really, you know, my focus has always been, you know, below market value distressed properties, which we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, people that really need to sell, which is good from a buying perspective. We're finding properties that have, you know, really good cash flow. We're finding them, you know, houses that you can add value to. When I say add value, meaning that, you know, you can add extra rooms, add extra bathrooms. You can make it worth more by 
you know spending money onto it that's that's the the one of the one of the main criteria that I focus on as well but you know on top of that what we're looking for now are you know elements within that property or within the house that you know it will enable people to work from home to run home offices you know they have elements that will retain and keep good tenants in the long term and if those tenants were to leave or if they decide to you know not pay rent or anything like that it's not going to be a huge challenge to find a replacement tenant so you know looking at these elements you know i guess in summary focusing on built up houses uh, sorry built up areas focusing on uh you know areas where there's a lot of demand uh for 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 people to live in you know mostly capital cities or within i would say within sort of 20 30 kilometers of a capital city um focusing on houses you know don't buy units don't buy you know if if you can you know always focus on a house that you can control the land underneath it so even sometimes when you buy a villa or when you buy a townhouse you might have to pay, pay body corporate like I, I would i would still probably avoid that if if you can afford to um and uh you know ensuring that the house that you buy isn't anything wacky or anything extraordinary you know just ensuring it's like a simple three or four bedroom you know family friendly safe clean tidy house you know that you can add value that you have that option to 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 make uh cosmetically better in time but at the same time still livable and rentable from day one I think that's super important. I think the age of the property is also quite important. You know, try and avoid properties that are super old uh because, you know, it could be a Pandora's box of uh of uh, of maintenance and 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 those things and you know, in a normal market, it might not be that much of a problem because you might consider it as a renovator or, or something that you could easily flip, but you know, during times of uncertainty, um you know buying a property and, and and flipping it or 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 buying a property expecting the, the you know purely blindly expecting the house prices to go up is 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 not a very uh is not a very sensible approach so you know ensuring that the houses are in good condition is is also is also super important but again all the fundamentals still make sense so you know close to school shops parks transport you know away from power lines and main roads and uh you know avoiding things like flood zones and bushfire zones like all those factors still need to be super important um and yeah i mean those are the kinds of properties that we've uh, we've been buying for our clients so uh yeah ensuring ensuring all those kinds of factors still come into play i just want to add one other thing as well too in regards to actually buying land um you know i guess we're we're very pro land purchase housing type of investors and I guess the reason why I want to sort of just emphasize that a little bit more just so that people understand why is because there is value in the land. So if down the track you find that the land itself can actually add more property to it such as maybe a granny flat in the back if there's space for it or maybe you could subdivide it and turn it into you know two blocks or even just knock it down in the future and turn it into a duplex with dual occupancy there's opportunities to do all those type of things like obviously you're not going to do that immediately because you want a tenant to be in there to cover and pay the rent and so forth and to, to pay it off but once you've paid it off and it's secure in your portfolio and you've got this asset there there's so many opportunities you can do to it and that's what I always try to look for is when I'm purchasing a property, I want to be able to say, okay, in future, if I want to add value to it, is there potential or opportunity to do that? 
and I, I would obviously do my due diligence before that. But if there is, then there's a, that chance that you can do something to it later on. And that increases value straight away. Granny Flat is a really good example. Like I would say nine out of 10 of the clients that I speak to ask for Granny Flat potential. But Granny Flat potential, you have to ensure there's a lot of, like a lot of nuances with the block and, and, and the type of property that's on there already, whether it's suitable, just because it meets the requirements of being 450 square meters and, you know, within three meters setback from the reboundary, like all that kind of stuff that you, you would normally find uh, uh, as part of the requirements to build a Granny Flat. You need to ensure there's it's got its own access. You know, does it have enough frontage so that you can access the granny flat without impacting the front house? Can you fence it off from the front house so it becomes literally two separate properties? Um, you know, if you build this granny flat, will it affect the front house too much? Meaning that, you know, before maybe before the granny flat, that that house or that property you know, might have like a, a decent sized backyard, but once you chuck on the granny flat, it's got zero yard on the, on the front house and it, it can really devalue the overall property uh, if if that were the case. So there's all these little things that we need to consider as well, um, just because sometimes, and I see this a lot, like, you know, like selling agents when they sell a property, if it, if it meets the requirements of being subdividable or, or granny flat potential, they'll advertise it as such. But, you know, if, if, if just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> I think that applies to property quite 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 a lot. Uh, so you know, if it is subdividable, if you can add on that granny flat, can you do it sensibly? Can you do it so that it will not impact the the, the value or the desirability of the property uh, itself? Because sometimes I do see people chuck up these granny flats, but there's no way to access that granny flat except for through the main house. You know, so, you know, in future, if you did want to rent them out separately, if the council permits and all this type of stuff, you know, no one's ever going to rent a granny flat where you can't get to, or you have to walk down a very narrow laneway to get to, if that makes sense. So there's there's a lot of factors to consider. Thank you to buyer's agent Simon Liu, our guest on this special episode of Invest Like a Pro presented by Housefinder. Also, for being a loyal listener of the podcast, I've asked Simon to offer a free one-hour strategy session normally valued at $500 to help you put together an actionable property plan. To get your free strategy session, simply visit housefinder.com.au and fill out the contact form or call Simon directly on 0415-626-342 and quote, Property Investory. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. 
To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.